Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are my two fantastic co-hosts. I always want to make a gamma ray or cosmic ray joke when I say that, but eh, this week we'll just go. Uh, Liz Harper, the EIC of the site, and Joe Perez, the person who keeps this podcast and all of our other podcasts from like crashing into the ground <laughs> on a 25-minute Star Trek conversation this week. <laughs> so how are you guys doing? I exist, therefore I am here. No, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, I don't think anybody has enough time for me to go through what's wrong with the world. So instead, I'll just say I'm okay. Liz? No, oh, hanging in, in there, looking forward to some of the games coming out this week. Yeah. So many games. Speaking of that, let's just jump right into some of this. Uh, World of Warcraft's patch 9.2.5 has, has technically been released. Yeah, as we're recording this, as we're recording technically this, the servers are not yeah. up yet. As we're recording this, the servers are not up. So yeah. in future, you people listening in the future, if you could tell us how good it was, just call us now. I don't, I don't <laughs> I know mean, how you're going to do that. But. Technically, it arrives tomorrow as of this yeah. recording, June 1st. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's that's, not. What they, that's on the launcher. That's what it says. Wow. Really? Okay. It says June 1st? On the launcher itself, as of right now, I'm looking at it. News Shadowlands 9.2.5 content update update arrives june 1st that's interesting really that yep. is interesting since we're having downtime right now to roll out patch 9.2.5 yep which they've been pushing back all day it's it's gotten a little later a little later right now they're saying servers will be up at um 6 p.m pacific we'll see if it gets pushed back again which honestly, oh, yeah. and I know there's been, I've been seeing some people uh, talking about this in tweets today as I've been catching up on things that have been going on. Again, this is, I don't want to say it's like the old days, but I'd rather them take the time than rush it and have everything be horribly, horribly, horribly broken. Um, oh yeah, definitely. But like, this is, this is nothing compared to how it used to be. And I'm not trying to be old man, like yells at clouds here, but like <laughs> back in the early days of wow, it was not uncommon to just have uh like a day of downtime and then two days later have another day of downtime and then another two days later have another day of downtime uh, because they didn't know what they were doing. Now they do. So, you know, it'll be fine. We'll and, get there. And, and all the kudos to the tech people. I mean, this is hard work managing a game that's this size and scale and cope with, and uh, a code base that goes back, you know, 18 years. So this is a big, complicated project that's forever hurling forward. And yeah, I mean, this is big and complicated. It's not just flipping a switch and, oh, the patch is live. So uh, these people do good work. And when there are bugs, when things aren't smooth, sometimes that's life. That's life. They're doing their best. It's a hard job. Yeah. I mean, yes. it really is like I can I can tell you horror stories of managing multiple data centers across multiple geographic locations and trying to have to do something like this, because don't forget, that's what they do now. Uh, so, like, yeah, it's kudos. Hats off to them. Uh, I know some of the people on that team. I'm lighting the candles for you, folks. I understand. Well, yeah, so that's that's going on today slash tomorrow at this point, because I, I just looked at the launcher and Joe's right. It says June 1st. Um, also on June 1st, Hearn's uh, patch 3.4 is releasing. Uh, I think that's Liz has written here because I, I was busy moving. I've moved houses this week. So I've literally had no internet or no life of any kind other than putting boxes or things in places. Uh, but she says here that the Throne of the Tides mini set has released. To, it's releasing oh. tomorrow on uh, yep, June 1st. Yep, yep. So, um, uh, do you want to talk about that? 
uh, sure, unless unless either of y'all want to like pretend to know Hearthstone and make stuff up about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, it's, uh, patch 23.4 is when Hearthstone is finally going to connect up to the Nexus from Heroes of the Storm with new cards, various Heroes of the Storm characters. Uh, for instance, uh, the, the evil Thrall who's drunk the demon blood or the Illidan as the Chando and Malfurion as the betrayer. <laughs> All that's it's going to be great. No, no, go ahead and actually do this now. Um, I mean, you know, in ways you were kind of on target because they do have a lot of skins. This is not with twenty uh, patch twenty three point four, but they have like hero skins that are like all sorts of weird oddball stuff, uh, like uh, Halloween skins, and like there was one skin where everyone was like a mecha, like had like this mech thing going on, and they've got some weird stuff. Um, but the patch going live tomorrow, it's. You know, it's a patch. It has some Battlegrounds updates, including a new hero whose name I am forgetting, but it's a big, horrible tentacle monster. And it like it's a new Battlegrounds hero and it like summons a tentacle in combat. So and every <laughs> every yeah. like every round you every round you go. Um, no, it's not. It's like every time you sell a minion, the tentacle you can summon gets like bigger. It goes from being a one one to a two two to a three three. So it's going to really benefit those sorts of decks that like uh, shuffle cards a lot that like sell a bunch of cards and pull in new cards to like shuffle. Um, So yeah, that's probably going to be uh, terrible if you're playing against it. Great if you're playing it. Um, They're also bringing Diablo back to Battlegrounds, which I think everyone was excited for the first time. And now everyone's a little wary because Diablo in the Battlegrounds was actually not that much fun. They've made some balance changes and we'll see if that is any better this time or if it's just going to be a misery in Battlegrounds until he goes away again. And they've added, I believe it's 18 new mercenaries to the game's mercenary modes, including Cheerial. So, uh, you know, you have another little Diablo reference in there. Cool. I remember when I got Tyriel's horse, which was weird because I didn't know he had a horse. But I thought I it was Tyriel as a horse. Um, maybe it is. I don't know. He could I mean, be that. He, he could be a pony pal or something. I don't know. It had kind of those Tyriel wings. So yeah. hmm. I, every time I just rode that horse, I just kept thinking of Tyriel singing the "Look at My Horse" song. <laughs> His horse <laughs> is amazing. But also, let's talk about. I think probably the biggest news for the week. Uh, on on June 2nd, uh, Diablo Immortal will be going live on your mobile devices, and the PC beta for Diablo Immortal will be starting up on the same day. Um, both Liz and Joe have a lot of feelings about this. I actually have less feelings about it. I played um, Immortal at the last BlizzCon that I went to, which was the only BlizzCon I've ever been to, and I liked it fine, and I'm interested in playing it on PC but I'm mostly interested in what the lore reveals are going to be. Uh, Cause quite frankly, I don't want to get sucked into another MMO. I'm already playing one. <laughs> and my God, the idea of a Diablo MMO, there's a very old penny arcade strip where they have one of the characters bust into the blizzard's headquarters going, no, you can't do it. World of Starcraft. People will just stop peeing. And that's <laughs> kind of how I feel about a Diablo MMO. It's like, Oh my God. I'm but I mean, you could take again. it with you. It's mobile. Yes, that's the problem. <laughs> that's in fact the problem, Joe. I can do. I can be peeing while I'm playing it. I don't want that. 
<laughs> I want to have some part of my life where I'm not killing things with a giant axe. I know that sounds strange, but it's true. Um, so I have, I've played a little Immortal in the past, and I will say on a phone, it feels very small. It's playable, but like text elements are kind of difficult and I have trouble seeing things. Of course, my eyes aren't super perfect, which, um, yeah, that's a thing that happens can't, when you've been playing a game. I can't tell what that feels like, man. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, when you've been gaming for like 20, 30 years and that's, you know, eventually your eyes just start, Yeah. Um, they start to go slowly but surely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it it works really well on phones, and also I think it really works very nicely on tablet because that's kind of that's kind of your size sweet spot. Yeah, I where think the tablet really, was yeah. the tablet was better than the phone. Quite frankly, when I played it on tablet, yeah. it was significantly better, just because there's and enough room to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree there. And the other thing I tried during the beta was casting it from my phone to my television. And that, I will say, that is actually the best way to play Diablo Immortal is on, like, your 55-inch TV in the living room. Um, because it looks amazing. It's yeah, amazing how amazing it looks. Because it is a mobile game, but it does look really nice on my television. And, uh... I've kind of spent my entire life wanting a Diablo MMO, and now I'm finally getting one, and I'm a little emotional about it. Yeah, yeah. Joe, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the pre-show, but like this is I, when Diablo Immortal was first announced. I was actually one of those people that, like, my gut reaction was I was angry. Not gonna lie, I own up to that. I've apologized a million times because as it's gotten further and further along what I thought was originally just going to be a reskin of an already existing Korean mobile MMO has turned into be a full born Diablo game from everything that we can see now with also being access accessible on PC. And in theory, consoles will probably come shortly thereafter. I would imagine, especially with the mobile stuff, always finding its way on switch. It's not too far of a cry for it, but I will, I will note that the Diablo team has refused refuse to comment on it coming to mobile or not. So that is not unconfirmed, but it feels like such a you great mean, thing. You mean console, for, right? Or console. Or yeah, console. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm telling you if it's coming yeah, to mobile, be, but the mobile well, game is coming out in a second, but we won't tell uh, you. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, throw, okay. I'll throw Genshin Impact <laughs> out there as a really good example, right? Genshin Impact started as a mobile MMO. It was a mobile game. It wasn't originally a console game and it had all the gotcha stuff for it. And then it wound up going to consoles. And even though it's got the gotcha stuff in it, it's still a pretty fun game. Like, I actually really enjoy it, but here, like from what we originally saw or were told about the game and what we infer from it to what they've been very, I think they did the right thing by not talking about it for so long, doing their development and then talking about it when they started to, because now I'm excited and it's, this is going to be a Diablo game. And like I said before, my worst case scenario is it's a Diablo game. My best case scenario is it's a Diablo plus game, which by that, I mean, it's, not just like a Diablo clone. It's not just like Torchlight or something like that, uh, which don't get me wrong. Torchlight was fine in its own right, but Torchlight one was basically Diablo two. Um, well, actually it was 
basically Diablo 2's expansion pack. It was because <laughs> it, really, it was made by really, the same people that made it. Anyway, yeah. it, it felt <laughs> like it was, you know, literally it was it just came out for Diablo it, 2 and now you're playing this guy. But it wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking, right? It wasn't earth shattering. No, no. And but it was fine. It was fun. It was a thing, and that's the same thing I'm looking at here. That's my worst case scenario is that it's a fine fun game that we're all getting for free. Right? Mhm. And with the gotcha stuff or or the the monetization aside, I'm okay with that. I've played plenty of games that have had that, and I've never dropped a dime into them. And this will be something that I do with that. The MMO aspect of it also interests me quite a bit because that's something I know we've been looking for for a while. And back in the the dark ages of the internet, when the internet wasn't really as good or strong as it was now with connection wise, and your best bet was having an ISDN like 128K, uh, or if you were lucky enough to be on campus, maybe access to a T1. Uh, but if you're at home, nah, no luck. Instead, we made 16 or 24 player modified Diablo 2 LAN rooms. So like, we got that MMO experience in Diablo 2 back in the olden days, now having it with updated graphics, updated controls, and now the story implications that are going to be coming out with it, because it's that time period between 2 and 3, I'm here. Like I, This is ticking all the boxes for me, and I am A-OK with it. I don't know if I'll play it on my mobile devices, but I absolutely will play it on my PC. Cool. See, there's, I mean, there's just this big... Uh, feeling amongst the kind of gaming community, the people who consider themselves gamers, they look at a mobile game and they think, oh, this is something less than a game. This is something that's not a real game. This is something that my mother plays in line at the supermarket. It's not a game kind of thing. But the thing is, mobile games can be real games. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really what the Diablo team is trying to prove with Diablo Immortal they can make a full-fledged Diablo game that you can play on your tablet, that you can play on your phone, and it feels like Diablo. There, and I, I, I can say, assure you, this feels like Diablo. This feels like playing there, Diablo 3, 3.5, maybe. I don't know. To your, to your point, though, Matt brought something up a long time ago when we were talking on the show about where RTS games went. We actually had a question come in. And somebody asked, like, what the future of RTS games was. We spent, like, a good, like, 45 minutes on that question. And one of the things that Matt pointed out is that RTS games didn't go away. They shifted platforms. And a lot of people don't realize that. Your Command and Conquers, your Age of Empires, uh, your Warcraft uh, ripoffs, like, all those things that looked like those games that we grew up with in the late 90s, early 2000s, like StarCraft, like Warcraft, like Call of Duty, or not Call of Duty, um, uh, wow, I just literally said it, but like those, the Command, Command and Conquer, Conquer, thank you. Like those yeah. games, they just moved platforms. They're on phones now, and they have wild success there. And those are real games. Yeah. And some of them have actually been backported to the PC. So, like, mm-hmm. there's, you're right. There's this mentality that was deep seated in all of us, or at least a good chunk of us, that mobile games weren't real games because for the longest time, there's this immediate association with it's a match three game or it's candy crush or it's some weird, you know, pervy dating sin that isn't nice or, or some random other misconception about it. And the truth is it's been evolving for years. They do. They absolutely do exist, but let's be clear. The reason that I never really had much of a bias against mobile gaming is real simple. The Nintendo DS existed. And before that, the game boy existed and find me someone in their 30s or above who hadn't played 
Pokemon Red or Blue. And you're basically talking about me. I am the only one who didn't play it. <laughs> Everybody I know has played Pokemon to the point that they can tell me, they can rattle off details about like, you know, oh, that, that Pokemon, you know, steals children and takes them up in the air and kills them. Like, what? <laughs> Why is that a thing? Oh, no, they're all like that. All, po- all Pokemon backstories are horrible. Uh, and everyone just takes it into stride. And I'm like, <clears throat> freaked out. But when I see that huge audience who played game, this game primarily on the Game Boy or the DS, these, these, these were not games they were playing on the Super Nintendo. Nope. You were playing it on a mobile device. Mm-hmm. Once, you, once you realize that, once you realize how big mobile gaming has always really been. Even now, the, the Nintendo Switch would like to say hello. Yeah, the Nintendo Switch is like the ultimate manifestation of that. It's Nintendo saying, we don't want to make consoles that aren't mobile anymore. Why, why would we want to do that? We can't possibly compete with Sony and, and, and Microsoft on the engine power of the consoles. They're going to make the ridiculously overclocked thing that will be obsolete in five years. We're not going to bother because we can't, we cannot, we are a toy company. We, we used to make trading card games and toys. We cannot <laughs> match them on equipment, but we can make fun games that run on this, which is mm-hmm. not, it's not an earth shaking console, but it'll, it'll work. It'll do what you want and you can take it places. Mobile gaming is something that, I mean, let's be, let's be real here for a second. Activision's biggest moneymaker is Candy Crush. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's king. It's king games. It's it's not uh, Call of Duty. It's not World of Warcraft. I'm not saying that those games don't make a lot of money, but that's the there's a reason that Candy Crush was on one of the one of the games that Microsoft put on their thing. Like they put up Candy Crush and Call of Duty, and then a bunch of Blizzard games. And the when reason it was in the- yeah. And they are big, we're buying this company thing. And there's yeah. a reason for that. Candy Crush is a huge draw. King Mobile Games is a huge draw. And people, as we go forward, the the blurring the blurry line that we already have between consoles and mobile devices is going to get blurrier. Like I, Microsoft already has this thing where you can yep. basically play all your games on your tablet or phone. Like they're already doing that. So it's just going to keep going that way. Uh, so I think Immortal is very much of its time in that it's moving this this stuff forward, which makes me want to jump to our next thing here, which is the Warcraft Ardlight Rumble uh, test, because I know, Liz, you've been playing in it. And so I want to talk about that. Tell people about Rumble. Like, you've played it for like a week or so now? Uh, yeah, thereabouts, about a week, a week and a half. Um, I think it is super fun, and it reminds me of kind of a weird hybrid of the Warcraft RTS and, like, maybe a little Heroes of the Storm and maybe a little Pokemon, because the whole thing is you're building up a team. You're building up this sort of army, and you get to have six troops in your party, six troops and one leader, and you go in and you have a map in front of you, and you go down, there are like usually a couple of different paths you can go down, but you drop your you drop your units down on the map and they, you know, walk forward <laughs> and they do their thing. They do whatever what whatever their abilities are. And they could encounter other enemies on the path. There are some enemies that can like 
it's all about the units. Some of them can fly. Some of them are alliance. Some of them are horde and get different kinds of buffs from different leaders. They have all sorts of interesting synergies and there are spells you can use. It, but it's just... It's so intricate, I think, would be the word because there are so many little things and little interactions and I feel like it is a great example of the Blizzard philosophy, easy to learn, but difficult to master because you can go in and just use the little army of troops you initially have. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go into the first map. Uh, I guess I'm going to drop this troop down. I'll drop this troop down. I'll drop this troop down. And you can play like that without even thinking about it. But as you move further into the game and you learn more, you're like, oh, well, with this leader, I want to have these undead troops, so I need to collect more undead troops and level them up. And with this leader, I want more flying troops. And, oh, this map, I'm going to encounter things that need flying or need this or need that. So it's, it's, it's kind of there's these little intricacies of like building the right army for the encounter you're about to have collecting all of the right troops and leveling them up because your leaders and troops all have levels and your character, like you, the player, have levels as well, which kind of influences how, like, when you buy a new a new unit, like, if you're... Um, one thing I really like, you buy... Like, some games, you buy a new a new unit or a new guy, and it's like, oh, it starts at level one. Great. But in this game, you buy the the new troop type or whatever, and it's actually, it will level up kind of based on your player level, and it'll be a little lower level than your other guys usually, but it's good enough to play with. Okay, so you um, don't have to basically either go back and farm them up experience. No, no. Oh, that's actually cool. It sounds a little bit like it's the Warcraft 3 uh, hero thing. But mm -hmm. made more, I want to say, streamlined. Yeah, no, an updated streamlined version sounds accurate. And it, it really feels very mobile. I mean, this is a game designed on a phone. I don't think it plays really well on the tablet because it's portrait mode only. And I find portrait mode really awkward. Yes, on a it's tablet. very irritating. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think the graphics look great on a tablet, but it's like it's designed for phones and it's. It's really fun to play. It's really catchy. You know, you like play one match and a match just takes a couple of minutes maybe. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll play another one. Oh, okay, I'll play another one. And then it's like two hours later, that kind of thing. That's interesting because that reminds me of Marvel Snap where they've, they're starting on mobile and the games are really fast. So it feels like yeah. going, they're trying to make it so mobile games in general have a slightly crisper like you go in, you play, and you're done. Like you can complete a you can complete a game in like four or five minutes, and be do another one if you want, or stop there. That's interesting. Yeah. And on the microtransaction front, I mean, obviously this is still in testing. Who knows if this is finalized? But you can buy all of your troops with gold, which is an in-game currency. The troops that are available for sale at any given time are like randomized on this grid, and if you I don't entirely understand this. There, you have kind of a grid of troops you can buy. And if you buy one, like the grid kind of collapses and like a column will collapse and there will be new troops there. It's very strange. And I haven't quite figured out the logic for when they, for when they go away and come back, but it's like semi-random. But you buy those with an in-game currency that you earn by playing the game. But you can also spend real money to buy things like um, specific characters. They're, they've been showing 
like bundles of characters like, oh, you want this guy, you can pay us $3 right now and you can get this guy and this thing, or you can get a big experience boost. So there are things you can pay for, but uh, most of it you just you just play and you earn gold as you play. And uh, I think it's really fun. I mean, are y'all looking forward to trying this game out? I am not. I, the thing is, is that there's so many other games. Yeah, I know. That's like, the problem. Like Diablo Immortal is way above that for me. Yeah, uh, I know I, that Joe, right. Joe has said that he likes he that Arclight Rumble hits all his boxes. Immortal comes a lot closer to that for me. Uh, but yeah. I am interested in Arclight Rumble because it does. You mentioned it feels like it's got a little bit of Heroes of Storm in it. And I yeah, absolutely of, I agree with that because of the collecting, the toys and everything. And I well, do and also like, I like the toy angle. Yes. Like um, the, the idea of the little collectible toys. I mean, yeah, because every, every troop, every unit you have is, um, it's kind of like a little action figure. And I know Corey, who is also in testing for this, has said they should really make these toys. And I'm like, no, they shouldn't make them toys. I only have so much shelf space, you guys. I can't collect these toys. See, no, actually, do not make them toys. I've actually thought about that in terms of like, it reminds me of like Skylanders or Disney Infinite. Yeah. Unfortunately, did yes. not make it. And I'm thinking, man, imagine if they started doing that. Like if they made special ones that you, in order to get them, you had to buy the toy. Oh God. Like, yeah, that would be horrible, but also a brilliant way to get to like print money in my opinion. But you could uh, also yes, just you yes. could also just have it be you could go to the store and spend twenty bucks and you'd buy the toys, and you'd get the toy. You'd have a physical toy, and that would just give you. You could scan it and get the game and the character in the game too, you know. And that would be a way to monetize it, but also enter that collectability market. And I think that yeah. would also be terrifying. Please don't do this, <laughs> but you know, it's a license to print money. It really yeah. is. Uh, and they're, the thing is, is they're also, I'm, I'm going to say this, there's an art form to making something cute, but not so cute that it feels ridiculous in a, in a game, like depending on the kind of game, but the, the Arclight Rumble characters are cute, but they're still, they're not super cute. Like the, <laughs> uh, the Night Elf Huntress comes to mind. It's just, it's, it actually reminds me of original World of Warcraft when it first came out. And the figures were cartoony, you know, that they've gotten a lot more realistic in, in, over the years. They still have the cartoony aspect, but they've, but I like the Arclight Rumble characters. They just feel distilled. They feel like, yes, here is, here is everything you need to know about this character visually right here. Yeah, and I the like art that. design. The art design is amazing. It's like really spot on. And the, the leveling track, as you go through, you're going through all of the basic, you know, World of Warcraft zones. It's like, okay, I'm going to start in Elwynn Forest and I'm going to go here and go here. And now I'm in Stranglethorn Vale. And you're fighting like the monsters that you fought while you were playing in those zones. Like there's Hogger. You, you know, you, you're just kind of, it's like you're going through World of Warcraft in like this weird cartoony style. And it calls back on all of this vanilla wow stuff that you remember in a really fun way. So I do think Warcraft gamers are going to like it, even if they don't usually play mobile, because it has all of these callbacks to classic Warcraft stuff. And it has units that are really reminiscent of, you know, the old RTS. And I think this is going to be super fun. It's only in testing right now, but it's already really polished. 
This is a really polished game. If they released this today, it would feel like a good game. Okay. So I want to let Joe get in here because yes, he hasn't been yes, able to. And he's, he said talk. he had stuff to say. So Joe, talk to me about Arcade Rumble. What are you looking forward to? What's your interest in it? We're talking about earlier with like Diablo Immortal and how it's checking all the boxes. This is another game that's doing that for me as well. It's It's got everything. It's got the collection aspect. It's got the leveling aspect. It's got the strategy aspect. It's got everything done in a very nice, from what I can see, uh, easy to sort of suss out UI because UI is a big thing for me when it comes to uh, user interface, if you don't know what that term is for folks at home. But like I judge games and software based on it. Like as much as I love the From Software games, uh, all the Souls likes and even Elden Ring, the UI is terrible. It is absolutely deliberately terrible. Uh, and like it's noticeable. Like it's there to I fight. I would say you. Elden Ring has the best UI they've put out in a while. Bloodborne. And it's still barely, barely there. Oh, I haven't played Bloodborne. I would so. say Blood, Bloodborne is probably the most accessible out of all of them. And even it is a far cry away. Elden Rings is good, but like, again, it's there to fight you actively. Arclight Rumble, from what I'm seeing, is very intuitive. It's very user-friendly and the design i'm you guys were talking about it being clean and distilled like with characters and things like that that's also the impression that i'm getting from the outside looking in and those are things i look for and i'm starting to equate it to what i do with uh like my handheld gaming now so like my retro handheld game system i have is i have games that i can pop in and pop out of they're not ones i have to sit down for a long period of time with this hits all of those buttons with a clean design clean easy to use uh, as far as like systems in something that feels like I can drop in, drop out and still have fun with if I'm playing it for 10, 15 minutes while I'm sitting on the couch or, you know, waiting at the doctor's office or something like that. Like that's kind of what I'm here for with it. And that's what makes me excited to get to experience it. So plus my little brain sees them as little tiny miniatures that I'm pushing around a virtual tabletop. So, you know, yeah, we, we had talked about possibly if, if blizzard decided to go with like a Skylander slash Disney, um, you know, Disney infinite route with this and make the figures and like, you could go buy them in a store and then you'd have them in the game too. Like that's just like, they could print money. Nintendo does that. Like, Nintendo does that with yeah. amiibos. Yeah, exactly. Like this is, a, this is a thing that they could do and it would be good. So I don't know if it would be good or if it would just be like, you know, oh, God, no, please, I need to eat. <laughs> but we should move on. We've got a, some other stuff to talk about. Uh, we should probably mention the hearts, the Overwatch thing. Sorry. Um, up until the 7th of June, the Overwatch anniversary remix is going to come out. It's got a bunch of new skins. Uh, I, I don't play a lot of Overwatch because it causes massive motion sickness. Uh, and I'm really hoping that they can fix that in, in, in Overwatch 2. Um, but... Basically, if you want the skins you got from net, like from tomorrow until the seventh, you've got a week. Uh, so yeah, be aware of that. Um, but let's talk about. I think the the biggest feature of patch nine point two point five. Uh, you know, new pets. No, I'm kidding. Uh, cross <laughs> cross faction gameplay. Also, though, I do think we should mention cross realm mythic raiding is just going to start in patch nine point two point five. They're not waiting for the Hall of Fame. Because if they wait for the Hall of Fame, the Horde can already do it, and the Alliance will never do it. There is not going yeah. to be 100 Alliance guilds that, that do Mythic anytime soon. They will not complete that raid in time. 
So, uh, do you have an opinion about what I just said? Do you think I'm full of it? No, I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly what's going to happen. They can't, the hall of fame idea was cool, but locking cross realm rating behind hall of fame has not worked at all. Joe. I don't think Hall of Fame has ever been a good thing. I went on record of saying this multiple times. I will continue to say this multiple times. It was a horrible gaining process. Uh, letting us do this with cross-realm stuff now and not having to worry about it, better. It's better for everybody. Yeah. Better for everybody I involved. would like to. I would hope that in the future they just straight up allow cross-realm. Maybe, maybe a couple months in. If you want to like leave it so that realms have a chance beforehand, fine. But just... just Bring it online because quite frankly the faction imbalance in in mythic rating is is substantial uh, i don't know how they if they're going to even try to fix that but if they don't then this is this thing is never going to work so uh also uh i'll bring up that we don't know when se- season four in shadowlands is going to start i would have suspect um, soon though with everything that's coming down maybe but we don't know but the uh, head of the curve mount's still going to be there in season four, yeah, you can still get it. It won't, it won't go away uh, when we get season four, which I think is a good move. Unless they were going to do something entirely different, uh, I think it's good to just leave that in place. But I think we should start talking about cross faction gameplay because it is, in my opinion, the biggest thing nine point two point five has. Uh, and I'm, instead of me going on about it, I'm gonna straight up throw it to Liz and Joe. You guys can fight amongst yourselves like characters on Star Trek going through Ponfar. Uh, and then, you know, you, you figure out, and I'll come in after. Godless. No, go for it. Nope. Go ahead. <laughs> it's anti Ponfar. No, you take wow. it. Wow. <laughs> it's like being in our guild on Raid Night. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a good idea. This has been a good idea for years. The most difficult part of World of Warcraft is the way it prevents you from playing with your friends. Because sometimes you have an alliance character, your friend has a horde character, and it's it's not that you don't want to play together, it's not that you're diametrically opposed philosophically because you have a horde character or an alliance character, it's just you happen to really like gnomes, so you've rolled a gnome and now you're alliance, but all your friends are horde, and... Uh, Blizzard has kind of slowly rolled back some of the restrictions that have prevented us from playing together. Like, you can play cross-realm now. You can group with people all over the place. But you still, if you were opposite factions, you were stuck. And if you wanted to play with your friends, you had to just roll a new character and start from scratch. And that was that was pretty lame. So this feels very overdue, really. I mean... This is a massively multiplayer game. It is about bringing people together to play games together, to enjoy games together. Don't stop us from doing that. Let us play with our friends. And this is finally going to let us do that. And I'm very happy about it. Joe? Yeah, I I don't really know what else to say. (laughs) Liz, Liz has covered it, really. Like, honestly, I don't have anything else to add. Okay, then I'll add the thing I've been thinking since this was announced. Faction Divide is the reason that Battle for Azeroth is not hailed as the best expansion in years. Because in a lot of different ways, Battle for Azeroth was an extreme improvement over Legion. Oh yeah, 100%. But because two things, in my opinion, soured the milk 
on that expansion. One of them is is uh, the Azerite armor, which I have written entire reams about how that was a bad idea. And the other is the marketing that hyped up the faction conflict and the storytelling that hyped up the faction conflict to the point where we've now had an entire expansion basically trying to get us to come back off the ledge. <laughs> and I understand that part of the appeal of Warcraft to certain people is that faction conflict. I get that. I don't want to take away things like PVP. I don't want to make it so you have to pal around with the other faction if you don't want to. But I do want people who do want to, to be able to, because I think that is the way forward for World of Warcraft. Accessibility changes, things that make it easier to play with friends, things that make it easier to play, period, are a good idea. Because this game is it's like 17, old, 17 years old this year, isn't it? Or yeah, 16. It's 16, yeah. 17? It's 17. Oh, I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a yeah. long time. I think it'll actually be 18 years. No, it will be 18. It's 2022. Yeah, it's 2022. Oh, so it'll, it'll be 18 years. This game can officially drive. It can get drafted. This game is significantly old, and the player base is getting older. Liz talked about this during the pre-show, that you know your, your eyesight changes, your body changes as you get older. The This game needs to accept that it has an aging player base and that making not just easier physically, but also easier temporally people have kids, people have jobs, people who were like in college who could get up at like two o'clock in the morning and camp out an area. As soon as the servers reset to get, to get something now, if they get up at two o'clock in the morning, the, the person that they're living with their, their significant other, whoever that person happens to be is not going to appreciate it. Even if they themselves play, trust me, my, my wife has gotten very mad at me a few times for doing that very thing. And I've gotten mad at her for doing it. Like when she dragged me out into a swamp to catch something at four o'clock in the morning, I was not chirpy about it. And that's, that's the kind of thing you have to keep in mind. And I think that this is a really big step forward towards making that understood because people just can't do this anymore. The way that they did. The, um, the people who can, you know, that's the great thing about WoW Classic, in my opinion. WoW Classic will allow them to play the game the way it used to be. And meanwhile, this can come in and allow people who are playing in retail to play with their friends. Because half of my friends are on the horde and I never get to do anything with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, the world has changed. We have changed. That is the heart of it, right? And this is something that needs to change with it. And it's finally happening. It's nothing but good can come from this. And for folks that don't want to do it, here's good news. You don't have to. So like, that's the best part about this. It's completely optional. But for those of us that want to use it, like if Matt says, Hey Joe, I want to do some, like, I want to do something and I would like to, you know, you to heal. I can go, sure. Let's go. As opposed yeah, to, Sorry, man, I'm not rolling a whole new tune and leveling up everything on another faction or making you do that. Like, it's it's just better. And I, and I say this as somebody who actually would do that. I've done that in the past. Mm -hmm. I've rolled a, yet another warrior on yet another server and leveled it up just to play with friends. I'm at um, character cap, and most of those are shamans that I've yeah. rolled on other servers to play with friends. Yeah, exactly. But I do think, I think Liz was right when she said it, that... Anything that's a barrier to friends grouping up is a mistake 
in an MMO like this at this point in time. Uh, you can't really do the Dark Ages of Camelot thing anymore. Uh, you can't do like multi. Like people are like, oh, yeah, the third faction. I'm like, oh god, no, no, please, no, no. <laughs> Another faction we can't play with. Um, and, you know, if if at some point this thing became permanently cross faction, everybody <laughs> could do it. I could see it. But right now, I think it, it's for the best to leave it as it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at this point, let's see what else is in this email. I've, I got, really some, didn't, I've got some other WoW did, stuff that I can bring up to that that just was coming out basically today and a couple days ago, right? Sure, go for it. Uh, so there's new customization coming in patch 9.2.5 uh, specifically for Dark Ranger uh, transmog. And that customization, and it looks like elf customization, uh, is happening with a return to Lordaeron quest line that's being dropped, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really, really interesting. It's also starting to lead people to think that we might get something more robust later on down the line. A lot of our constituents in the community that produce content on this stuff uh, have even speculated that this could be another class that gets added later on in the cycle uh, because it wouldn't be too different. And it's been a very long time since we've had a another long range class added to the game, we've had plenty of melee and evoker is a mid range one, which is new and people are definitely craving another, another at range uh, DPS spec or DPS class. So I I actually want to turn to Liz here. You play a a blood elf paladin, right? Yes, I do. So this quest line also has a new set for paladins, a new ensemble look and a new weapon and a new mount. Correct. Uh, I believe so. And Mm -hmm, I am here mm -hmm. for it. I am here for it. So you're going to do it, right? Like you're interested yeah. in this line. Yes. It's new transmog. Of course I'm interested. I don't care about anything else. Just the transmog. Give me the transmog. I think the new mount's cool too, but yeah, I get you. I will point out if you're, if you're Alliance and you're about to get mad, um, Alliance are also getting a quest. I don't think it's the Lordaeron one. Uh, I believe it is a separate one involving the dark irons, mm-hmm. but dark iron dwarf paladins will also get a new look, uh, a, a new transmog entirely with both, uh, like both armor and weapons and a new mount. Uh, no word on dark dwarves. Uh, I haven't heard anything about the dark dwarf rangers, um, which I think is kind of unfortunate, even though what would that be? <laughs> you know, I just, there was happened to be a couple of dwarf hunters who were in, they were in Lord Ron when things went bad, so they get they, they get to be Dark <laughs> Rangers too. That'd be great, but I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there is. It's interesting to see these options come in. I don't think they're going to do a new class. Like I straight up do not think they're going to. I I, I would tend to agree, but we also don't know, right? We, yeah, don't, we don't know. We don't know what late in that expansion or midway through that expansion might look like, or even the expansion after that. They could mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. starting to be laying the groundwork for that, right? So. But I do think that I'm interested in seeing if other cosmetic options like that come in. Like I would really like it if, for instance, there was a wild hammer customization where you mm-hmm. could make dwarves like they could have the wild hammer. You can get that to a degree right now. They have the tattoo- some tattoos. The wild yeah, hammer the tattoos, tattoos are in game now. Yeah. Yeah. But just just a little bit more like maybe you'd get a, like a, a, a costume that more fits the wild hammers. Maybe you'd make them a little taller and a little less uh you know, a little less leave live inside all the time. Like these are people who live outside on a mountain. Maybe they could be more generally speaking, a little, a little burlier, a little different. That That's something I think would be cool. And then, you know, do it for others. I, I, I think that the allied race thing kind of the problem with it was that it was very, 
like limiting in a way uh, because you could, you know, they had their own classes they could play and everything. Whereas if you just made it an, a customization thing, uh, more people could do it without feeling like they had to be constrained. So I, I don't know. That's just my take on it. But I, I do want to bring up uh, two other things that are not Warcraft related. Uh, the first one I want to bring up is actually the second thing here, but I think it's really interesting. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is going to have a TV show. Uh, I I did not know this. Uh, Liz, did did you know this? Are you the one who like found out about this? What's what's going on here? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I edited the article, so yes, I knew about this. Netflix is apparently working on a Horizon Zero Dawn series, and I think that's about all we know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, we knew about them doing a... There was a possible Amazon Mass Effect game show. Yeah, Uh, we haven't heard anything about that in a long time. And we know that they're working on something... I think Netflix is working on Assassin's Creed stuff, but we don't know much about that either. Um, But this is really interesting to me. Um, I don't know who they'd get to play Aloy if they do get Aloy. Like one of the things they might do is actually do the war. Uh, the, the thousand years in the past war that ends, that ends all life on earth. They could very well do a show about that, but man, that'd be dark. Um, that'd be a depressing show to watch, quite frankly. And and also, you don't get like all of the weird, cool stuff that you see in the world of Horizon Zero Dawn. You yeah, don't get the yeah. robot dinosaurs because they didn't exist yet. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I don't know who's going to be in it. I don't know anything about it. We don't we don't hear much of anything in this in the uh, articles and stuff about it. But I did want to mention it because I think HZD and H Forbidden West are both really good games. Forbidden West, I think, unfortunately, kind of got eclipsed by Elden Ring. Because uh, Elden Ring was anything everyone was talking about when it came out. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, out Forbidden, week. yeah, same week. And I think that's unfortunate because I think Forbidden West is a really solid game. Mm. It's probably much better than Zero Dawn. But I would agree. I hear Joe making a noise. I was gonna so. say I think I think they were a week apart in release. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's not much time. No, no, not at all. I mean, I was just going to say, like, I'm all about more Horizon Zero Dawn or content or Horizon in general, because, like, we talked about this before, all three of us. It would make a really good, like, the story of it is so weird and so, like, but relatable at the same time that it would just make an entertaining thing to watch and go through. I'm curious about the choice of timeline if they do it beforehand or if they do it during or what they're going to do. But, like, yeah, I'm. I think it's a good idea. I think it's fun. It's something that I would actually look forward to, and I'm gonna speak blasphemy here, and I know I'll get hate for it, but I would be more excited to watch this than I would anything Mass Effect TV show related. I think. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I mean, I'm. I would wait to see what the Mass Effect show was. Sure, but you know, I, I think to a degree, the, the things to think about are: can you get a character as likable as Aloy? in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the show. Um, and if you don't have Aloy in the show, what are you focusing on? What are you doing? And if you do have Aloy, oh man, the bar is high. Uh, not just because of the the visual representation of Aloy from the games, but because of the acting, which I don't think gets enough praise. Um, the, the actress who plays Aloy, Ashley Birch, who's done a lot of video game stuff. Uh, I believe she plays Tiny Tina in the Borderlands games. Uh, I know she was, I think she wasn't Max in Life is Strange. Who was she? Was she Max or Chloe? I think she would have been Max. 
I honestly can't remember if she was Max or Chloe at this point. I'm sorry, guys. I, I know I should know this, but I've never actually played Life is Strange. Uh, but she's done a lot of stuff. But her Aloy performance is, in, to my mind, brilliant in its action hero-ness. Where she is not there to be cute or funny or anything like that. She is there to kill robot dinosaurs and save the world. And she's <laughs> down for that from the beginning. Like she, that's what she's going to do. Uh, so there's, there's scenes in both games. There's one in forbidden West where the, the character of Vavad and it's in the opening. So I don't feel bad about it. The character of Vavad is basically so hard crushing on Aloy and she's baffled by him. Like, why is he, why is he talking to me? He's King go do King things. And he's like, yes, well, if you come by again, yeah, yeah, whatever. Go go do king things. What is his deal? And everyone's like, geez, Aloy. Come on. So yeah, I, I am very much down for this. Uh, but that means we've used up most of the show again. Uh does do we want to try to get through a couple questions here? Yeah, absolutely. We have plenty of time. We have like 20 minutes left. Uh, but there's one other thing that I didn't want to say about the uh what's coming out in the 9.2.5 stuff is apparently there's some new conversation happening in the Shadowlands between some key characters uh, regarding like some potential future things happening, in particular with the Night Elves. So if you get into the game and you go and look at that stuff, there is a new conversation between uh, Taronda and the Winter Queen, which is something you should go look for. Cool. Uh, oh, uh, last thing. Frost Giants game announcement is next week at the Summer Game Fest. And I've actually been talking to people at Frost Giant, and you're going to be interested. Just straight up, I will tell you, you're going to be interested. Uh, it, it is, they're working on their IP. I, you know, I can't make any predictions for how good the game is going to be. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it won't be. But it's, if you liked old school StarCraft, if you liked Warcrafts 2 and 3, I think you will be interested in this game. Uh, that is my feeling, and I, I just thought I should put that out there. Either of you have anything to say about it before we move on? No, I'm good. Liz? No. Okay, then we will try to get some questions in. Uh, if you've got a question for the show, you can go to our Discord, and we have the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel for our patrons, and we've got the Q question Q and uh podcast questions channel for non-patrons both of which you know go ahead hit them up ask some questions that's really helpful uh or you can email us uh, at podcast at blizzardwatch.com subject line podcast at blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show and not one of the like 300 other podcasts we're doing um we're not doing 300 but we are doing three which is a lot i mean quite frankly uh but yeah go ahead um i'm going to read one because Whoa. i'm not sure yeah, I'm going to just jump in and read one, and then you guys can can go off from there. This one's from Depressed Dino Dad. Uh, it's a question for Blizzard Watch. It's, it would be a shame to limit those awesome soul shape assets to the Shadowlands. Shouldn't we open those forms up to shamans, ghost wolf forms? Uh, I don't know who would care about shamans here. So, Liz, I'm going to ask you, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, no, why would you do that? I mean, why? Why would you want to do that? You're leaving out all of these other classes. If you just give it to Shaman, all the other people are going to feel really sad, right? I mean, come on, obviously. Man, Joe, if, only we knew, if only we knew uh, a class that had a whole bunch of secret, like, only mounts and 
and things that they got that nobody else got and have since the very beginning of this game's existence. Druids? You're right. Druids. Yeah. Let's talk about druids. Uh, honestly, this is something I, I was actually thinking about the other day is like, I really like soul shape. I like the idea of it. And I like the idea of ex- carrying it forward. We talk about things that get brought forward all the time. This is something that I kind of hope finds its way. Like we used to get with like the glyphs and things like that. The framework seemed to already be there we should in theory be able to apply them to ghost wolf. So maybe that would be a really cool thing or not necessarily these ones, but it does open the door for maybe there to be another option besides just wolf or Raptor. Right. And I mean, one thing I could actually see is doing that, doing these shapes for shaman and possibly also for druid travel forms and making it tied to maybe potentially the race that the shaman is. Yeah. You because could that would maybe be a cool thing to do. Because look at, at this point, we have what? We have Draenei Shaman. We have Dwarf Shaman. We have Torn Orc, Trolls, Goblins, Pandaren. Kaltiran. Um, Kaltiran. We do know for a fact in game, in canon, there are Blood Elf Shamans, uh, Tanunka Shamans, Furbolg Shamans, Tuskar Shamans, Quillbor Shamans. Uh, you know, there's you could theoretically do something where like paladins getting their own class, like their racial mounts or like when you do your horse thing, it's the blood elf horse, right? Like Liz, when you do your, your get out of, out of jail thing, whatever yeah. it is. And I think, I don't think that's, I don't think it's a horse for everybody. Right. No. Um, I know for a fact for Eli, for, uh, for Draenei, it's like an Elec. Um, yeah. I think light forged have an Elec too. Uh, so right. No, no, they don't. They have the uh, Talbuk. No, I think yeah, it's a Talbuk. Talbuk. I, if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, I apologize, but but I mean, like I, the I like Dark Irons it. get that little weird mount. Uh, there, there's various mounts, so yeah. I, I and then uh, uh, wow, the trolls, the the new ones that we just got. Why can't I think of any words Cold. today? Zandalari. Yeah. Zandalari. They have the uh, the dinosaur. Uh, so like having something like that for shaman, I think would actually be really cool. Uh, because it's something that I have personally been envious of with paladins for a while. So give me, please. I'm making puppy dog eyes at you. All right. <laughs> Since Joe made puppy dog eyes, we will now make him read whatever he chooses to read next. Go. <laughs> uh, so this one is from, uh, I cannot pronounce this, uh, RG Suyomono. Uh, do you think being able to bug your way, bug your way into cross faction guilds means it's something they're planning to roll out in the future? Probably. So what this is referring to is there was a bug for a while in the PTR where cross-faction play would also have the option to invite that person into your guild so you could have an orc and a human in the same guild. Um, It was definitely declared a bug and was something that they rolled back, but I'm wondering if that won't be a future future feature. Um, Now that we know that it's possible, it's a thing that can happen, maybe it's something that does happen. And honestly... With us doing this, if if cross faction becomes such a wild success, which I suspect it will, I don't see why this would be off the table. But I don't know. I don't know what it would be to uh, program that, or or what it would entail, or how it would mess with things. But yeah, that bug might not be a bug for very long. Some of the best in-game bugs became features later on. Just gonna throw that out there. What do you guys think, Liz? You want to talk, or you want me to? I mean, I would just go back to exactly what I said earlier is 
fewer barriers to playing with your friends. No one likes barriers to playing with their friends. We just want to play the game together and being able to be in a guild together would be a lot easier. You can have cross-faction communities, but that's not quite the same thing. Doesn't have quite the same ease of use. Doesn't quite have the same tight-knit community that a guild can have. So, yeah, why not? Do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> My opinion of it is that we it's very hard to tell if this is a situation where the bug is that the code to allow you to cross-faction was enabled accidentally, or if there is no code for it, it's just the old code would have allowed for it, and they need to put in something to prevent that. Either way, uh, I think it's a good idea, but I, it would be interesting if they had deliberately had to write code to allow it. Because if that's the case, then they are thinking about doing it, because you don't write code to do something if you're not thinking about doing it. And that would mean that the code is in the game or you couldn't accidentally activate it if it or, wasn't there. But I, I, if it's just a holdover from the way that the, uh, the invite system just works and in order to stop it from doing that, you need to write code to stop it. That means they just wrote code to stop it, which means that the, the functionality was there anyway. Yeah. Which they can remove, right? Yeah, they can of, absolutely undo what they have done. One of my favorite things to point out is like um, the old game Space Invaders, right? Space Invaders is known for as you kill things, it getting faster and faster. This wasn't intentional. It nope. was as sprites stopped being on the screen, it freed up ability to process things at a higher speed. And as a result, the unintended thing was that it got more difficult as you did better and they just left it. They could have fixed it. They could have found a way to slow things down. They did fix it. Did they? they absolutely did. They did fix it. They didn't release it fixed. They fixed it. And when they were done fixing it, they, they let the, the lead play it. He was like, Nope, go back. This, yep, there this, you go. Is, this is not right. It, it feels like nothing now. Whereas before that, that difficulty ramping you're talking about that we want, we want to keep that. So it was absolutely an accident, but they deliberately went back to it. They're like, Nope, we're not fixing. The fixing so, is not good. So all that to say that again, accidents can have unintended, wonderful consequences moving forward. And this might be one of them. Uh, Liz, go ahead and pick one to read. Uh, okay. Dear sisterhood of the frozen pants society. <laughs> Starcraft exists as a kind of science fiction version of Warcraft, an RTS which took inspiration from not only the Warcraft RTS, but also movies like Alien and novels like Starship Troopers and added their own weird Star Wars inspired psychic aliens, because sure, why not? My question is, would a Diablo style action RPG in the Starcraft setting be a good idea? Would you play it? And should I have a French dip sandwich for lunch? That is from corn, but a nicer corn, I promise. I get this, but I'm going to let Liz talk first before I gush. <laughs> um, I think that would be really interesting. See, I have always been a bigger fan of science fiction than fantasy. I certainly play a lot of fantasy games, but I am I am just there for science fiction. It adds you can make games that are very similar, but by changing the setting, they kind of have, they have this whole different edge to them. And I always really enjoyed Starcraft. I mean, 
I would be really happy to play another StarCraft story that was an action RPG where you just went in with your Protoss and you're like slash slash with your like psychic sword thing. I, I would be into that. I mean, imagine like a Zergling Rush, but it's an action RTS. That's basically just Diablo as it is now. Yeah, that's interesting. Very much so. Joe? Uh, first of all, blood for the blood throne, skulls for the skull god, uh, or skulls for the skull throne, blood for the blood god. Either one, they both work because that is the way of corn. Um, I'm guessing you already know the answer to some of the weird origins of StarCraft, and we could talk about it, but we won't because just look up StarCraft or Blizzard slash Warhammer 40k. Uh, there's tons of threads on it out there. But yeah, it would work really well as an RTS, I think, and something that Warhammer 40k has already proven. Well, it kind of did work as an RTS. Uh, it said uh, an action RPG, excuse me. Yeah. Words are hard today, people. Um, it would work as an ARPG, and it did, uh, like, as far as, like, 40K is concerned, a game that usually is based off of, like, tactical combat, like a RTS. They released Martyr in 2018, Inquisitor Martyr, and it was an action RPG Diablo-like based in the 40K universe with all the same weird sci-fi fixins, uh, but it just didn't have any of the Blizzard polish. Now, I'm thinking of a world where they did that with StarCraft, released it where you could play as one of multiple races or classes from the StarCraft universe and go into that ARPG setting with all of the Blizzard polish behind it. And I'm here for it. Like it would I think it would be gangbusters. I would absolutely love it. So and also, yes, you should have a French dip sandwich for lunch any chance you get. <laughs> I, I don't know if I agree. Um, I've been thinking about this. And the one thing I could see as an issue is that the Zerg almost can't be playable. Like, I can't think of a way the Zerg can be playable. The Zerg are the demons of this setting. But, I mean, one of the most iconic characters is Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if, you do it, if you do it in a situation like, instead of it being like Diablo where you play, you know, just random barbarian person or what have you, if you do it like other games have, like the, uh, the one that comes to mind is the, the dark stalkers one, mm, mm-hmm. which will you play as like one of the two, four, four of two of the four horsemen, either war or dark guy, who I can never remember dark siders. Yeah, you're right. Not dark stalkers, uh, but dark siders. Yeah. But, but like, right. But like, uh, War and I forget who the other guy is. He never showed up before this game, but uh, the two of them, you can switch between them. You can play them, but they're specific characters. So if you did a Diablo-esque ARPG like that, where you could play as Kerrigan or you could play yeah. as Raynor, then it might work because Kerrigan of, has a specific reason to be there. And you're thinking of Darksiders Genesis where you play as Strife. Thank you. Strife or War. Which is kind of like you know six of one half a dozen of the other in terms of what those things are, but yeah, I I, I just feel like you you could basically do Zaratul or Kerrigan or Rainer or what have you, and it would work. But if you do it like you're just a generic son, so you you really need to work on why the Zerg are involved, you know, like and and is your character just a you know a regular Zerg? Are you playing as a Zergling and then as you go on you level up and become other Zerg? Like now I'm now I'm a hydralisk. I once started now, as now a that Zergling. I said that that sounds like a great idea. I once started my life as a Zergling on a stick, but if you keep at it, kid, you can become an ultralisk just like me. 
Yes, that actually sounds like a good idea now that I said it. Because <laughs> you could bring in, you could actually bring in StarCraft's, like the way that the StarCraft characters like evolve, the units evolve. Like you go from like a regular uh, Terran Marine to a Firebat to so-and-so. You could bring that in. Like you're playing as a Terran Marine, but eventually you you get find some armor and become a Firebat. And now you're like blasting everybody with fire. You could actually do that. Now this is a much better idea in my head. Okay, well, now I'm down. I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> Hopefully that pleases the blood god. Uh, do we have time to do one more? Yeah, we do, I think. Um, I'm okay. actually going to I'm gonna pick this one because I think it's actually a good point of conversation for a couple of minutes. Uh, have we heard anything about whether the Threads of Fate system will be carried forward into Dragonflight? Or, for that matter, whether it'll still be available for Chromie-timed Shadowlands? Thanks, and that is from Gorquen the Orc Death Knight. Um, I don't think we I really have. Yeah. Liz? I haven't heard anything. That said, maybe. So Threads of Fate was kind of like a weird evolution of going back. I hate to say it like this, but going back to like Legion, right? So you had the intended way to play through the game of Shadowlands leveling experience. And it was to give you the story, go to all the covenants, introduce everything and go forward. And then... Uh, Threads of Fate broke that so that you could go back to something very similar to uh, Legion, where you got to pick where you went, experience the story of that zone, and then move on with your life. And I think both approaches are fine. I would actually like to see something like that move forward, where if there is an intended way for the story to progress through leveling in Dragonflight, that after we're done, maybe we get a choice to not do it. Or because I personally really liked leveling in Legion. I thought it was great. Um, even Battle for Azeroth gave you that as well. Like you got to choose which zones you quested through. And I thought that was really nice. I like the idea of being able to choose and maybe mix it up a little bit uh, and feel like you have some agency over what you get to experience and when, but it can be hard when you have a dedicated story that you're trying to, to, to tell. So I thought Shadowlands was a really good compromise, make you go through it once and then, skip them all and then skip the actual experience and just go do things. So yeah, I, well, we haven't heard anything I'd be for it. What about you guys? Let's go. <laughs> why, why does everyone turn to me to talk about things? I mean, I am all for anything that gives you the ability to play the game the way you want, especially when you're talking a game like this, where you may play it through again and again, and it may get kind of tiresome to play through the same thing again and again. So yeah, give us the option. That's not necessarily the base core experience, but you can give people the option and having options is great. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, this one, I, I haven't used Threads of Fate once, but I think it's a good thing. I like things that I don't have to do. Like, I've always mm. said this. I love pet battling and pet battles and pet collecting. I never do it. I could care less about it. I love that it exists for people who want it and that they can do it as much as they want. And I'm never affected by it in any way. I love things like that in World of Warcraft. I love things I don't have to do. I love things that are there if you want them. Uh, and that, to me, is some of the best game design. A game can have things just for people who want them. And if you don't want them, you can just continue mm -hmm. on your way and never deal with them. So 
That's why I've, I think I've on record of saying hundreds of times that pet battles in general, the whole battle pet system is the best thing Warcraft has ever done after transmog. And again, transmog is optional. You don't have to do that. The fact that I do it so obsessively, ridiculously, compulsively is my own problem and not yours. You don't have to ever do it. You can wear as many clown suits as you'd like. <laughs> you know, it's totally up to you. You can, although with transmog, you can make a clown suit and just wear it all the time. But, you know, regardless, I, I think that it would be good to have, especially since it wouldn't be compulsory. So, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. I think that's going to be it for the show, though. Uh, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. As a reminder, all of us at Blizzard Watch continue to stand with the folks that work not just at Activision Blizzard, but in the game industry at large, as they continue to make efforts to unionize, demanding change for a better tomorrow and a safer work environment, and congratulations to Raven QA for getting that unionization. Thank you, Joe. Um, tune in next week when we just have Liz talk about Star Trek for an hour. <laughs> uh, I, I am serious when I want that to be on one of our podcasts. Do I you? Absolutely want to. Have do it. you guys want a Star Trek lore watch episode where I make Liz talk about Star Trek for an hour? Let me you can know. Have that. You don't have to make me talk about your. You're talking you like you would it, have to. Though. We have to get you. You would on have to force show. me to talk about Star Trek. That's that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you up front that is not a problem. Yeah, but getting you to be on the podcast would be the issue. <laughs> but because uh, you're kind of busy, I don't know if you've noticed. You probably have because mm. it's your life. Uh, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's all those hours in the day really tricky to manage. But uh, regardless, uh, thank you guys for listening. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt, uh, along with Joe and Liz. We, we love bringing you the show. We are really appreciative that you're here with us every week. And we'll be back next week. 